0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Well, good afternoon, good evening, Welcome to The Drawing Board Podcast. This is your founder and host, Andre Ebron. Uh, This week has started off with the bang. We are excited to be at Tuesday. I like to call it the great day after Monday. Hope you're living your every single day as if it was Friday, enjoying every moment of it. I always promise you a couple of things when you come to The Drawing Board Podcast. I always promise you quality information and quality guests. And today is no different. I'd like to welcome to the show my good friend and brother, Pastor Josh Spires. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Really appreciate the uh, the privilege
1: to be with you today.
0: Man, likewise. So, Josh, before I jump into this, introduce you to the world uh, and present you to others, uh, man, I just want to let people know that we actually go back a few years where we were educators at Washington Parks Academy.
1: Yes, that's right. Good times,
0: yes, sir, yes, sir. Learned a lot, uh definitely a lot of fun, um, and uh learning a lot through challenges, learning a lot mm, yeah. <laughs> you know and, yeah, but it was an interesting time uh, I think that's where well at Washington parks is where I cut my teeth as an administrator, so uh it was me learning a whole lot of new things. With a student population of over a thousand. <laughs>
1: yep. Yep. So and they were scaling up. So every year it was uh, a lot more kids they were taking in.
0: Uh oh. We can't hear you, Josh. Uh
1: oh. You got me
0: now? Nope. Can't hear you.
1: Uh oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, let's see. Hold on. Okay.
0: Please pause, uh, people that are listening. We're having a bit of technical difficulties. Make sure. Okay.
1: How am I doing now? Hear me? I'm with you. All right.
0: Yeah, Josh, go ahead and uh, try to jump out and jump back in. Let's see see what we're working with. So as Josh is taking a break uh, and he'll be back shortly, he'll be logging back on. I just want to thank you all. Uh, We have been. Uh, we celebrated our two-year anniversary for the Drawing Board Podcast. October 2nd was the actual launch date of 2018, and now we are at October 6th. It has been two years and a couple of days, and I appreciate everyone's faithful support uh, of the Drawing Board Podcast. You know we talk yeah. about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. I like to say that we are your lifestyle podcast. And I just want to thank you all for supporting. It started off as a dream, a goal, a vision. Uh, I literally created the flyer and said I was going to launch my podcast on October 2nd. I hadn't contacted any pod- podcast platforms. I hadn't said any meetings yet, but I just knew by faith that this was going to be the launch date. I contacted Podcast Detroit. Uh, Got in touch with Dave and some of the representatives there from Podcast Detroit, and they have been nothing but friendly, encouraging, giving some very sound recommendation and information on how to take the podcast to the next level. Been available for my questions, concerns, and uh, just all around great individuals and a great place to launch your podcast. So if you're listening to me and you're saying, I have some ideas that I feel the world needs to hear, and I'm looking for an awesome platform to do that. Podcast Detroit is a great place to contact. Now, let me see if we have my friend and brother back on. Pastor right. Spires, are you there, sir? Hey, am I good now? We got audio now? Okay.
1: Nope, still don't now? have any sound. No, nothing, no sound. Let me Let's see. see. We had sound
0: before, right? So, uh, Let me try. Can you hear me, Josh? Yep, you're good mm-hmm okay well I don't know I can't I can't hear you so let's see here we may have to call on our intercessors to see what's going on <laughs> because literally right before we got we started the show we could hear each other just fine yep so let me let me see I'm going to try to log in Uh, allow me to try to log out and I'll try to log back in to see if it's me, okay? All right, sounds good.
1: Okay, Josh. Yes, I, can you hear me
0: now? Oh, I can hear you now. So hey, man, like, Amen. Right. Hallelujah.
1: Glory
0: right. to Christ. Amen. Right. I thought it was like those four hundred years where they had not heard. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we're here. So, man, let's let's jump into it, my brother. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about that I felt that you could definitely uh, allow your testimony to minister to those that are listening. Is that during time of COVID nineteen, I feel like a lot of people have gotten more still to be able to either feel the unction, hear the mm. voice, be inspired, motivated. And so I'm really looking at navigate how do you navigate your way to your calling, right? Or mm, navigate yeah. your way to your purpose, right? So right. uh Josh, I, I I set a um I just launched a a new shirt, man, called a new line called Here I Am. Mm. And it's in to first Samuel chapter three, verse four, and the Lord speaks to Samuel. The first thing that he says is here I am. And then the Bible says that he went to go see Eli. So I think sometimes we rush to the fact that he went to go see Eli, and we forget that he said, here I am. Mm, As as I get ready to introduce, man, listen, I wanted to tell the people about you. Look, after 14 years as an educator, Mr. Spires has moved on to being Pastor Josh. As, as a graduate of Calvin College, Josh Spires taught in South Africa, Chicago, Tijuana, yep, B- Boston. And before arriving in a place, watch this, where you have loved to teach the most. Shout out with me, Detroit. Detroit, amen. Yes. So throughout his educational service, your educational service, uh, you have been—you've had the privilege to support and start five new church plants. Man, let just wipe the sweat off your brow. Just, just <laughs> go ahead. Listen, church planting is not. Yeah, brush. Go brush it off your shoulder. All right, church planting is not for the faint at heart. Mm, amen. Uh, yes, sir. And so we we got to get into that. And listen, and you graduated 2013 from Gordon Conwell Center um, of urban ministerial education with the masters of divinity. So let's just, that's a lot to unpack. Right. All right. There. All right yeah. Man, listen, tell me, uh, about, uh, the transformational experience you had when God called you. T- take mm, me right. Wow. Here. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, you know, when he
1: called me out of darkness, we can start there. That was when okay. I was 14, you know, and then, uh, and then we can get into the call to ministry which happened, of course, a little bit later. But, you know, when I when I was 14, I was a kid uh, in, in uh, middle school, high school kind of age and just uh, was wrapped up in, in the popularity thing. I was a class clown. I got kicked out all the time. You know, I think that's why I had a heart for my middle schoolers who were the right. same way. And, um, and so, you know, I, I would do anything. I had this whole routine. I had a whole persona that I, I felt like people wanted me to be. Uh, and, uh, living in that felt like a prison, you know? And so when I, when I came to Christ, when he called me out of darkness is when, uh, really just, I gave that up to the Lord. I said, Hey, I don't, I don't even know who I am. You know, I don't even, I'm caught up in a mess that I can't control. And I think there's a part of us when anybody gets called out of darkness that you, um, you have to say this situation is beyond my control. And I need I need help. That's not uh, something that I can produce in and of myself. And so, uh, so yeah, that was the beginning, you know, of of my uh, adult faith. And then being called to ministry for me was it more of a gradual thing? I think for something people it was like this instant that they knew what they were going to do. They were going to be head pastor of some church somewhere. For me, uh, I was at uh, the church that I had spent most of my uh, younger life at, but then. Uh, definitely all of my college years, I went back there and, uh, it was, a inner city church, uh, with a black, uh, pastor from the Bronx and a white pastor from Grand Rapids. It was in Grand Rapids where I grew up and, uh, and I got real involved in the youth ministry there and just, uh, man, it was, it was some amazing times just meeting with kids who were, uh, coming in and, and learning about Jesus for the first time. And I said, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean this has to be my career, uh, but this is what I want to do in terms of orienting my life around this. You know, setting a course. So how can I impact young people uh, for Jesus and in the most powerful way I can find? And so, uh, yeah, that that was the beginning of the call. And then uh, worked at a lot of summer camps for uh, Christian summer camps where I met my wife. And uh, from there kind of uh, was education. It was teaching. Uh, and the ability you get to be in a lot of people's uh, lives, young people's lives, that you wouldn't get if you weren't uh, in that public setting, and uh, then getting really involved in church plants, obviously, is a big part of my story as well, because of the unique way in which church plants allow uh, people to get on the front lines of ministry, Um, you know, getting on the vanguard, right in the vanguard, you know, as I like to say, and Uh, You know, really what's going on there is, you know, a lot of times in churches, uh, ministry can become a spectator sport. Uh, And and, uh, so really, you know, we were like, how can we be most effective for the gospel and uh, see the Great Commission come about? And statistically, uh, in the United States, church planting is that thing. Um, You know, the Barna Group, which is a big uh, Christian research group, has done studies that churches that are uh, five years or younger actually see eight times as many conversions as churches that are older than five years old. So that means we constantly need new churches, you know, and so uh, that was part of what drew us to that. For me, it was always like, hey, I don't need to be the guy, you know, I will do whatever it takes uh, to make this come about. So that was kind of a little bit of the progression for me. I knew I wanted to be involved in ministry. And so I taught all the way through seminary, um, I didn't know if that meant I'd just continue to be uh, a teacher for the rest of my life and just serve in whatever capacity uh, churches need me to serve. but uh, Lord uh, Lord always has his own plan for your life. so
0: yes, sir Josh man you you I have so many questions. so <laughs> I always give a challenge right I always give a challenge uh, because you broke down the calling, I thought in a very uh, excellent way. so the calling out of darkness into mm-hmm. light. Um, at the age of 14 and you said something that i think it translates beyond uh any age group demographic or anything It's is escaping the persona that you've chosen right Mm. so like how is it that uh and when we're introduced to christ that old man has to die right yeah so yeah so man i think people listening on right now uh have an opportunity to me you know of course uh my my Pentecostal roots, thinks of that as a, a deliverance message, right? That you yeah. can shed those things uh yeah. that you have been holding on to and projecting this persona when you take on the personage of Christ, right? Mm. So Amen. then you break down and you talk about answering the call to serve, right? Mm. And sometimes when people answer the call to serve, particularly in ministry. They equate the calling to serve with the calling to preach, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And Mm. so, man, and you were able to break that down. So uh, I would love, man, for you to, I would love to hear the message uh, that you preach or uh, something that you write, uh, escaping your chosen persona Mm, to take home. Love it. Right. Yeah. So that's my challenge to you. That's one of my (laughs) challenges. I I feel like tonight is going to be a night of the challenge, right? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) yeah. And then you know, so me, I, I see in pictures. So you said you met your wife at, at one of the summer camps, right? Yep, amen. So I'm picturing you saying, telling the kids like, you know, serving the Lord is the direction to go, right? Cue the slow music. Boom. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> he
1: over. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Man, I and was I, I was so uh I was so diehard for Jesus. I told her Man, I I I was so not smooth, but I told her, "Hey, you know, while I'm here, listen, I'm for Jesus, all right? So uh, (laughs) you, I I like you, but you and I are gonna have to wait, you know." uh, It was uh, it was like that. Uh, Like she put up with my weirdness, you know. And uh, no, man, I got to see my wife involved in discipling kids and you know she was fine but uh what drew me to her as for, to be my wife was to see man I want this I want this woman to raise my children I want this woman to do meant to do ministry with me wherever that may take us you know like this is who I want to you know be linked up with for life because she is a spirit empowered woman you know
0: yes sir listen uh, i just picture it and uh my wife and i we say you know why we work? Because your weird matches my weird. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. How important do you think that is, especially to uh a young preacher right now mm. who's going into ministry uh and or going to church planning or serving in some capacity? How important is it to choose a mate that is aligned uh with your same priorities and willingness to serve? How has that benefited oh, yeah. your your call? Uh, to ministry and service, how has that benefited? The fact that your wife is aligned uh, and in agreement with your calling.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's immeasurable. You know, I think uh, especially with church planting, which is so emotionally demanding, and it, it can be like this emotional roller coaster of highs and lows. You need a lot of uh, resilience. Um, you uh, you need a wife who's going to help you. Uh, stay steady in the word and uh, and, and, keep, and hold you fast. So, yeah, that that's uh, immeasurable. You know, a wiser man than I uh, said that. You know, you can either uh, treat your wife as the taxi driver in ministry and kind of drag her along with you, or you can, and, or you can be the limo driver for your wife in ministry. You know, you you can you can lay it out. You can you can make this. Uh, the dream cruise for her, you know? And so I think, uh, you know, definitely that's been something I'm progressively always working towards is making sure that uh, this isn't my thing. This is our thing. You know, my, my kids are going to have a different church experience growing up uh, because of this, but how can this be something that blesses my whole family? Because, you know, my calling is first and foremost uh, to be a father, to be a husband, um, and to disciple my own family before it is uh, anyone else. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's major. And I I just wanted to pause there for a second, because when we talk about answering the call as a pastor, as a church planter, like in the world, the greatest thing, the closest thing that we're going to get to the relationship that Christ has to the church is to see it reflected in the marriage union. Right. Mm. So. Yeah. So I I think that uh, especially. Um, you know, as culture shifts and changes that we have to be mindful that the union of marriage was designed to reflect how Christ loves us and reciprocally reciprocally, our response to that love in the union of marriage. So, man, listen, uh, you, your, you and your wife are doing an awesome job. Uh, I can tell, uh, you know, she and I haven't had that many conversations, but I can tell that she's a force in prayer. Uh, and I can tell you that she is a force of accountability yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah and and a strong force of encouragement uh when I get a chance to watch your life you know yeah yeah absolutely
1: it, it it's great you know uh and, and we're we're doing uh ministry together as a family, you know and so I think uh you know that when families do family uh life together, then people get drawn into the community of of Jesus right and that's what it's all about. Um, It's about being family together. And so that's at the heart of it, for sure.
0: So, man, Listen, you are an educator for a number of years. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts right now with uh, virtual learning, COVID-19, learning centers? Uh, Some schools next week or I think even this week have decided to come back 100 percent in person. Some schools are scheduled. I read today some schools are scheduled to come back next week, and uh, they can only afford to be two to three feet apart, and it vi- it's violating what the... I, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on fully. I don't pretend to know, man. But what are your thoughts uh, as it relates to how can we best serve mm. our children in Metro Detroit uh, yeah. as it relates to not indoctrinating them, but yeah. I- but educating them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think obviously... Some of these circumstances are, are just nobody had a game plan going into it. Uh, I think it is a little discouraging some, that some districts, you know, this happened in March, you know, and so uh, you had a couple of months to game plan um, creatively around that uh, going forward. Uh, and uh, some, some of them seem to have dropped the ball a little bit because, you know, I don't think that all the research, man, if you listen to any of the Silicon Valley guys, they don't let any of their kids in front of screens as much, you know, and so we know developmentally, that's just not good for kids. You know, the research has proven it. And so it's tough. You know, I think on the other uh, side of things, you have a lot of people who are working uh, parents and they're trying to facilitate all of this stuff for their kids. And, you know, it's, it's really difficult to figure out how that's going to work for them. And so I, I know the challenges right now are, you know, what's going to be best for my kid, but what's going to be workable for me. And, you know, I know, uh, friends who have pulled their kids out and said, Hey, we need to do homeschooling. We need to, you know, full on, uh, get into this or, Hey, my kid needs to be in a face-to-face setting. And I think, you know, each, each situation is going to be largely, uh, tailor made for that individual family or for that individual learner, hopefully. Um, but, you know, I think that it's it's uh, there's a responsibility for educators. I'm still uh, involved, actually, now with a group called Brilliant Detroit uh, uh, on a volunteer basis and part of their board. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's on us as educators to figure out, you know, how can we be creative around this? You know, how can we try to remain engaging? Uh, how can we keep stay positive with this uh, situation And so, uh, you know, I know some districts have given more or less leeway with that type of thing, but you know, I do think that there are ways in which you can, Hey, let me give you a short, you know, two or three minute nugget for the instructions versus having you sit in front of a screen nonstop, um, and and do this sort of thing where we're all muting each other. And I'm trying to do classroom management here. Um, it does take more, you know, self internal motivation for the learner. Let's be honest, you know, like. If the learner yeah. doesn't have some goals and some drive uh, right now, it, it's just going to you're going to fall behind. And so um, I hopefully, hey, man, let's just hope and pray that people come out of this and have a greater appreciation for everything that our free education system is, you know, and uh, and come away and just, you know, say, man you know, teachers are pouring into this situation. They're, they're working as hard as they possibly can to make this a productive and worthwhile time. Let's get behind them. You know, let's encourage our kids. Um, But also, you know, I think as, as we can see right now, there's a lot of family tensions and a lot of family stress for parents right now. And so we'll really, you know, it's too big of a thing to leave up to human hands. We gotta, we gotta lay this before the Lord you know it's got to be a, a prayer battle every morning we got to be laying the city and the youth and the, these kids uh before the he- our heavenly father because he it's too big of a situation for us to overcome i mean we're talking about uh, setbacks increase achievement gap you know that's going to last for decades as a result of this and so uh it's going to take it's going to take years to to get back on track but we're going to we're in it you know let, let let's do this so Uh, I mean, those are just kind of some of my thoughts. You know, I I think uh, I just pray and try to support any of the educators I know as best as I can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And educators are some of the greatest superheroes uh, that the world has ever seen. I'm always, I'm notorious for letting anyone, if you ask me, I'm definitely going to tell you. Uh, Every profession that anyone desires to enter in, uh it starts with the teacher you know uh the information you you don't get to that next level without being introduced to quality information and generally is being administered by a teacher Mm. Uh, whether it be a trade whether it be a university whether it be a k-12 k-8 institution whether it be early childhood education like teachers are vital to the health of our nation and what i'm hoping uh, and yes, we need to balance ensuring that uh, teachers are being compensated fairly. Absolutely. Um, and what, I, what I'm hoping from this is that we don't try to go back to a system that we know doesn't work. I hope that we are engaging our creative space, leveraging what we've learned so that we can improve the system. Right. Absolutely. So that we can even even if we need to deconstruct the system and build yeah. an entire. Right? So, like if, if if we've experienced, it's almost like one of those, you know, when you give your personal testimony, it's like you, you can't go through that much hell uh, or challenges to go back to the life you had, right? Yeah. Right. It, yeah. it is all about coping, adapting, changing. And then when you mix the ingredients of faith and prayer and belief that your latter shall definitely should be greater than, than your former. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I that's love it. it is like the
1: perfect... Uh, Drawing board experience for all of us, right? I'm sure you touched on that, man. Yes, sir.
0: Hey, that, I'm glad you perfect. said it, brother.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, hey, we all needed this moment to reassess, right? Uh, what ministry looks like, what uh, what education looks like, you know. But I think you, man, you hit it dead on. We cannot go back to the exact same way that things were, you know. Um, with some of the inequities that we see in the education system. Uh, we just, some of the models and methods, you know, like how do we make this better when we go back to normal?
0: Yeah. You know, what's what, what I, what I liken it to. And of course I'm going into, uh, like scriptural mode. Love your thoughts about this. You know, when Paul asks the question uh, who shall deliver me from the body of this dead man. Right. Mm. And so And thinking about how that system of slowly decaying, that even a well man, a well man will die and become sick if he continues to carry the old man, Mm. it's almost as if God has cut away the system, that old man, so that we can live and breathe. Now, who goes back to pick up, you know, yeah, (laughs) that weight? Man, my hope is that, um, you know, this is what I suggested, Josh. I said, you know, if we're talking about the the educational gap, if we're talking about the wealth gap and how all of those things, the ripple effect, I said, this year would have been an excellent year to just go back to those foundational skills. Mm, Yeah. Like, What if we just explore? And I know people have tons of money invested in these pilot programs that were scheduled to launch for 2020, 2021. But I said, if we just went back to those foundational skills Mm. for nine months, like the growth that would occur over the next five years, if we just went and that's even for our faith. If we just went back to the foundation, like let's go back to those foundational things about why we espouse and why we preach and why we share the ministry of Christ is that so those that may hear it may come to the foot of the cross and accept him. Mm. As Lord. And then all of those things about discipleship and giving and all those yep. things that give us the qualitative experience of living this faith walk. Like, those are the things that come, you know, secondary after we have. There is no greater message than the cross for those who don't believe, right? Yep. You got it. So, you got it. So, yeah. Look, I'm excited, man. Talk to me about the work that I see you doing uh, with Detroit, man. And you guys are teaming up. Um, and you're doing a great work in the city and cleaning up, man. Talk to me about what was the impetus, what was the impetus of that? And why do you feel called to do such?
1: Yeah. Amen. You know, I think, um, you know, so for us, we really want to see the gospel go forward in word and deed. Right. And so, uh, for abundant mercy, when we planted in January already built into our DNA, because we had been doing this as like a launch team, even before, uh, uh, having regular services was just not making sure that uh, we were, we were walking the walk that we were talking. Right. Um, I think that uh, we, we can see around us, uh, unfortunately, uh, maybe because of resources, maybe because of hurt, whatever the case may be. Occasionally there are churches that will detach from the community around them. Right. And, and um, I think that if you look at the history, a lot of times, Uh, it's because people have been gotten scared of, of, of what it takes, uh, the level of hurt that some people are experiencing. And so, uh, we, we wanted to make sure that what we were going to be a part of our DNA was going to be structured around having the gospel go forward, not just in word, you know, not just in preaching in Bible studies, which, you know, needs to be there too, but it needs to be adorned. It needs to be dressed up in the swag of the love of Jesus. Right. Like, so, um, you know, when the Bible talks about fruit, you know, bearing fruit, and we have to think about what is fruit and and fruit is just a sweet package with a lot of glucose around a bunch of seeds. And so what happens is, you know, when you Mm -hmm. bear fruit, what that is, is it's your Christian character, your Christ-like character being the thing that people are like, man, I want to take a bite out of that right And then what they get is they get the Word of God, right? And so uh, I think it's really important because and especially in the day and age that we live in, people are really suspicious about the church. Uh, people are really suspicious about Christians maybe being hypocritical from their experiences, a lot of church hurt. And so we said we want to go at this and we want to be a church that as much as possible leads uh, with the love of Jesus Christ in terms of you know letting your good works, Uh, glorify your father right and point point people to your father and so uh for us that that was kind of the the idea and uh, then the way that we it's played out is we've been connected to a bunch of community organizations so we've asked you know what does the community need and how we can we equip the people who are already doing those things to be successful instead of us coming in and saying like here's what you need Uh, you know, tell us what you would have us do. What would a church that, uh, really benefits you look like? And then we've tried to ask as well, you know, like who's already doing that around here and how can we get behind them? How can we back them and support them? And so we've been connected, uh, in my area here around Livernois and Six Mile with some great community organizations and and they've really helped us learn and grow into some of those things. And so some of that's been, hey. There's a blighted property down my street and I'm going to get out there on this day and I'm going to start working on some of the foliage, you know, some of the jungle and uh, I could use a hand, you know, or or if you have some power tools, would you bring your power tools and then we can use that together? Hey, simple stuff like that, right? Um, Or maybe, uh, you know, it's been other types of things where it's been, hey, I know this lady down the street and I really want to help her, but I probably... We need to work on this. She's an elderly lady. And so uh, we've really been looking as well, just like James 1 talks about, for widows and orphans. You know, uh, it says that true religion is marked by their care for widows and orphans. And so what we're looking right. for, is maybe that's not literally uh, somebody who has no parents whatsoever, but is is kind of has that orphan mentality. Or is a single parent home, or whatever the case may be, how can we rally around that kid and equip and empower them with as much love and as w- much uh, you know uh, you know structure to help them in their life? Or, or how can we kind of come alongside them and, and give them some things? One of the things, little things that I got really excited about a couple of weeks ago was I had some kids um, around the corner who you know say that they're part of this gang and they ride on these uh, four wheelers and all this stuff like that. And I was able to get them, and I said, hey, you know, you want to hand out some flyers for me? I need some help from you. You guys know the neighborhood better than I do. You know, where, where on your block should we go to? You know, let's do this together, and I'm going to pay you because you're an expert in this area. You know, I value what you are bringing to me. Um, you know, can you? do you guys want to coach uh, a basketball camp for us? You know, what can I do to give you some alternatives uh, and, and, and really say you have something to bring to us? Um, and so, so, you know, that's, that's something that we're excited about as well. There's a lot of elderly folks um, who need a hand. So we've built fences and uh, we've helped with painting and all that kind of stuff just to make sure that people maintain ownership of their homes in the city of Detroit. You know, I think that uh, we it really breaks my heart to see some of the foreclosure rates and just the way that's been abused, um, you know, people buying up a lot of these properties just to try to flip them or turn it around. Or wait till the property uh, prices increase. And so we really want to get behind uh, people who have just hold, held on to historic homes, but don't have the capacity to be able to uh, keep them up to the level that they would like to. And so uh, so those are just some some little ways, you know, and show forth uh, just uh, the sufficiency of price, you know, in our setting. And so, yeah, I definitely look for a lot of leadership. You know, our team has a lot of. Uh, It has different generations in it, you know, and so I look to some of these, you know, elder brothers who have been in the city for a long time to tell me, like, hey, this, this is where we need to press into or, you know, like this, this, this is not really going to be a way for us to rally around something. And so, you know, it's great to have that type of guidance. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, walking humbly, you know, trying to uh, do what we can do to meet people where they're at, you know, it's part of why we're called Abundant Mercy We want to meet people, you know, where they're at and have that merciful. I think that's what Christ did uh, at the well uh, with the woman at the well or other places. And so uh, I think that was some of the mentality uh, behind uh, being service minded. And yeah, the the last part of it is we were we were thinking, hey, you know, church plants have about two thirds of them are done, you know, like kaput uh, five years in. Uh, and that's regardless of what setting you're planting in. And so then uh, inner city church plants, uh, which oftentimes don't have the same financial resources, uh, don't have as maybe many people who have as much time and energy to pour into that type of thing because of the type of people uh, that they're trying to uh, help out. Uh, they they have an even a much lower um, chance of becoming self-sufficient and all of that type of stuff. And so how can we capitalize on each and every day for the gospel? You know, like how can we make sure that uh, every single day we are doing something that is going to be actively seeking to show forth uh, who Jesus is? And so so that was the idea, man. Let's get busy. You know, Uh, let's listen and uh, let's let's find out how we can, uh, you know, just just walk alongside of our community.
0: Yeah, I do. And I, I thank you for sharing that. The whole time that you were talking about it, I said, wow, that's a good question to ask other churches to think about how are you expressing the love of Christ? Mm. And so here's how here's how you all are expressing it uh as a church plant through the service, uh, whether it's cutting away foliage, whether it is painting, whether it is commissioning, you know, um, you know, young people in the neighborhood to take the flyers out and the message. Yeah. Uh, here's a question that I have for you, man. This here's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge one. Yeah. Okay. How is it pastoring a multi-generational church, mm. whether you're bringing wisdom from the elders and yet lifting the voices of the youth? Talk to me about how do you do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Hey, you know, we, we, we're, like I said, we're, we're a pretty small church. And so everybody knows everybody, which is awesome. That's what we, we, we love. And, um, you know, so I think just you, you have to actively open up space. Right. Uh, and I think, Mm. uh, you know, all I can do is try to lead with humility and servant leadership. You know, I think, um, everybody has their own leadership style. Um, er, you know, I think some of our leadership, Ah, uh, ways we've learned leadership that I've really had to reflect on, of course, is uh, culturally uh, our, our ethnic kind of framework for what leadership should look like in a church, um, and uh, you know, so that's a whole other ballgame. But you know, for me, I uh, I'm definitely always just saying we want to hear you, and we want there to be space explicitly made so that you have a voice and you have a chair at the table, you know, and so. Uh, You know, I think the helpful thing is we have had neighbors, uh, like I said, who are these guys with tons of ministry experience, uh, guys who have been, you know, grew up in the city, uh, born and raised Detroiters who have said, you know, we're willing to also humble ourselves. Not everybody's coming from the same place, but, uh, you know, those those are a lot of me actively seeking those conversations, uh, you know. Uh, you know, I think, you know, when you read uh, Paul's letters to Timothy, he talks a lot about how Timothy could interact with those, those elders, you know, and just make yeah. sure that you're showing respect, um, you know, just honoring the years of service and dedication and faithfulness that they've had. You know, for me, uh, having sat under a number of guys before uh, I started anything on my own, you know, I just really... I uh, think it's important to to hear guys out, even if they they might not have the technology side of things. But what they do have is they have the ability to tell you about the deeper truth. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know, you the character side of things, you know, like the, the where are we going in terms of the big picture, in terms of where the spirit is leading? You know, what does that look like for people to to really get their lives aligned with the will of God? You know, and so that that's what I've really tried to just lean on in terms of that type of experience. Um, You know, for for younger people, you know, there's just so many opportunities in terms of, you know, if you want to if you want to, you know, teach, you've got to give opportunities to face plant. Right. I mean, you've got to hand them something. Yeah. Hey, you know what? (laughs) I have no idea if you are going to succeed or not but we're going to try it, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to model it for you first. Right. And then I'm going to walk alongside of you. But eventually when I hand it off to you, I'm going to have to be okay with not being sure about what the outcomes are. And I think a lot of uh, churches tend to be, you know, like, Hey, you know, they, they they might like say something inappropriate. They might do something that, you know, doesn't, doesn't work. You know, they don't have the experience we have. Um, but man, if if they don't have those opportunities, then they can never grow. And so, uh, I think it's just about opening things up and having mercy with each other, you know, being full of grace for each other. So, uh, that, that's, that's what I've learned so far. I'm still learning in this way as well.
0: You know, uh, I, I'm thinking about what you just kind of created a, a model for, uh, cultivating great leaders that you probably just organically do. Right. Mm. So uh, the younger generation, uh, if we express honor toward the older generation, the older generation has the ability to create opportunities for the younger generation. Yeah, The younger generation then thereby begins to procure this level of experience through face planting, through, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, because if we are more concerned about the development of people as opposed to that immediate outcome, uh, yeah. people will eventually grow. To produce even new and better outcomes. Like you think about, man, imagine what Jesus was thinking when he begins to prepare <laughs> what it is that we would do, right? So right. If, if he as a servant leader is like, ah, I gotta leave it to these 12 guys. You know? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and he gotta carry this message to the world. Uh uh, let me see. Uh Peter, he he's talking about he doesn't even want me to wash his feet. I told him if I don't wash his feet. And he won't be mine, then he starts talking about wash me all over, okay, so I'm just <laughs> like, all right, uh, you know, hey, listen, uh, we got this guy, you know, so like just thinking about him saying, and then in the end, he tells us that greater work shall we do like mm. that that's a profound message that uh I think a great servant leader like you, Josh, are Pastor Josh is creating the space mm. uh so, so someone walks away understanding like creating the space. For people to develop, mm. uh, because although we have like organizational uh, outcomes, things that we want to see happen, um, we have to create space for those that are following to grow. Yes, and yeah. and this is a this is a uh, this is a lifestyle of progression. Mm. Uh, that as we grow, when, yeah. what do you think about this, Josh? I love the shirt you have on today, man. Worship, yeah. I am, brother. Listen, I am a worshiper at heart. I yeah. tell people listen even and you know your lifestyle is worship to god but even when i sing i say it may not sound good to you but the lord loves it you know (laughs) Mm, yeah 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 Yeah, so i'm gonna ask you to lead us in a minute no i'm joking i'm not gonna have you (laughs) jump into it (laughs) no yeah but, but i'm gonna ask you man um because i think uh and the reason i bring it up is like worship for me man is a place where I cast all my cares upon the Lord mm. uh, uh, when I'm in worship man his presence is saturating me you know that I begin to have that communal experience uh that what matters to him most begins to align and it becomes my priority it is yeah. the space that the enemy has no access uh when I, I begin yeah. to worship man so talk to me about how important is worship yeah. uh to the believer's experience with God Amen.
1: You know, um, you know, and I think what happens is we, we we take these terms, and the terms start to define categories for us. And so I think it's okay. really helpful that you bring that up, you know, just the variety of, of what it means to be a worshiper, right? And um, so, you know, I think that there are all these ideas people have. And uh, so, you know, from my denominational background in Presbyterianism, we talk about the ordinary means of grace, right? Uh, and that doesn't mean they're boring. That means like, uh, God has set up certain things in scripture in in ways that we can commune with him. Uh, but I think, I I think what does happen sometimes is we, we start to think of things in limited categories just by the terms. Like I think that when, when you want to praise, you know, in the morning, uh, whatever you're taking your shower, whatever the case is, you know what, uh, there's really not that sharp of a line between that and prayer, you know, like I'm, I'm giving God adoration. It happens to have a tune to it, you know, but, um, you know, and so I think that in, in everything we do, like you said, it's supposed to be, uh, unto the glory of God. And so, um, so what does that mean? You know, I think today, some people think that has me means that, you know, Hey, I can get out, um and for white folks a lot of times they say hey I can get out and I can go in the woods and I can experience God you know that that's that's our thing you know and for other people they can say hey you know what I can experience God and have this experience with him in the club or whatever the case may be you know like that's interesting you know but we have to look at like Listen, God has set up some particular ways in which worship to him is a pleasing and fragrant offering. And so how do we make sure that uh, yeah. we're giving him our hearts fully, but we're we're experiencing him? And so, you know, for me, I, I think that scripture is at the heart of it. And so scripture drives then my meditation, right? When I set my mm-hmm. mind on God's word. Um, And I sit there and I think about how does this, what's behind this? The longer I spend thinking about a passage, the more I can get out of it, right? And so some people call that study. Um, But, you know, it's just sitting there and reflecting on the complexity and the beauty of the depth of Scripture. And then from there, you can progress on into prayer because you've meditated. Now you're thinking on God, who God is based on God's word. And then you go to God in prayer and you start uh, speaking to him about who he is. And, um, you know, I think from there you go on sometimes into praise, right? And you go on into in, in just singing his praises, right? Or whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, there's something beautiful and and I think important about uh, when we gather together as God's people in order to worship yeah. him. You know, there's something that's especially and explicitly in in the Bible pleasing to God about when his people come together uh, in order to worship him. You know, all the way dating all the way back uh, when they had the tabernacle. You know, they were gathered at the tabernacle and then at the temple together in order to be God's people united as one and give them their whole heart. You know, and so I think that uh, as I think about worship. In in these times, uh, I think it's really just critical for people to remember that part of what is pleasing worship to God is to be one and to be united. Uh, You know, Christ died for one church, you know, like uh, a a church that was going to be united in his blood. And and so, um, you know, I think that we, we need to remember not just Hebrews chapter 10 where it tells us not to abandon uh, the fellowship, but but just in, in general, a much bigger picture of how mm-hmm. God loves to see his people come together from different places, you know, from different things they're going through in their life and come to gather and praise him together. You know, I think there's just something beautiful because that's a picture of what we're going to be doing for eternity. And so, uh, you know, when I think about worship, I think Sundays um, have stopped really being Sabbath a lot of times. they stopped People have stopped being really to come face to face with God in worship, you know, because worship is supposed to replenish and refresh and give you new yes. life. You know, that's what Sabbath is, and so uh, they they've lost the the re- replenishing of Sabbath because they haven't been able to come face to face with the Creator who loves them. You know, who who loves them like a, a child they're his child, you know, and so uh haven't been able to meet Christ face to face. And so I think that's what happens in the truest form of worship. You know, I think preaching uh should lead people into worship. You can have a great explanatory talk, you know, a lesson, you know, and that that's great, you know, but that that's educational. That's not necessarily preaching, you know, and I, I think preaching uh, should should bring the word and, and, and definitely be true to what that passage has to say. But ultimately, people should be led into seeing Christ and, and then being able to bow before him in reverence, you know, in honor, in praise and jubilation, you know, all of that, you know, because of who he is. And so, you know, man, <laughs> you got a preacher going on worship, you know, I could go for a long time. (laughs) No,
0: no, I I feel like that's, I feel like that's a great place though. Uh, Especially when we talk about your church, you know, with abundant mercy Mm. is that when we get before a holy God and we realize our need for him, uh, that he is so abundant in grace and mercy, Mm. that he lavishes his love upon us, that he is always concerned and that he cares for us, that he would never condemn us. That he has sent the Comforter there, yes, to 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 give us a sense of conviction, so that we might turn in repentance to Him, so that He can love on us again. So, like you know yes. that. Yeah, we are a covenant people. And, and even those who have yet to believe, like the Lord is more concerned about you than what you've done. Mm. He's more concerned about you and, and him, his ability to connect and contact you. In fact, he's with you all the time. He's he's omnipresent. So if you haven't yet believed you are much like Old Testament, uh, old, the Old Testament, when God was with them. And God was for them, mm-hmm. and then the acceptance of who He is through Christ Jesus, New Testament, then He can be where in you. Amen. There you go. And so, yeah, I, I love, man, what what you're doing, uh, man. I just, I, I'm glad we had a chance and a space to yeah. have this conversation, I man. Can you believe this hour has already begin to expire? But, right, man. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I wanted you to go ahead, Josh, and let. And uh, I know I give a preacher a mic. But I want in two minutes, man, if you can in two minutes, talk to the young preacher who is uh, thinking about church planting. uh, Mm -hmm. Talk to someone who has yet to believe. Talk to someone who is wanting just like you at the age of 14 to forsake that persona Mm -hmm. uh, that they were projecting others to be accepted or still finding themselves. And they are ripe and ready to step into this new life in Christ uh, and then let them know where they can find you. Mm. Amen. Yeah, you know, I think for me,
1: uh, we could get, you know, we could go long on that, that persona and, and the transformation there, because I think that's really what really God wants from us. You know, uh, Karl Marx, you know, said uh, that, tell me what you do, and I'll tell you who you are, and that is not the words of Christ. Uh, so what the world wants from us is to achieve and to prove ourselves, Uh, Whatever, you know, venue, if it's education, if it's uh, you're an entrepreneur, if you're in ministry, the same thing goes. You you have all this pressure right now on you to want to become something and prove yourself by what you've done. And the truth is that Christ has already given you a greater victory and you cannot add anything to that. And we got to remember what Christ has saved us unto, which is sonship. Uh, Christ has saved Mm -hmm. us unto being sons of the Father. And so what I need to do is continuously remind myself that I I have to rest in the sonship that he has purchased for me. And so when Jesus came out of the waters after being baptized, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that is what God says over you and I the minute that we receive Jesus Christ as our savior and our king. And so and so, you have already been more of a success than you'll ever be uh, because of who Jesus is. And so we don't have to worry about doing it in order to accomplish something for God either. God gives us the privilege of partnering with him in what he does. But you have to remember wherever you're going in terms of your life, in ministry, in worshiping God in your workplace, whatever the case may be, that you are a son of the Father. That means you're a son, as in you are the heir, uh, and He He regards you as such. And so, I think that that is really what I continue to work into, growing into, resting in that truth. You know, becoming the character of the Son, and just allowing for Him. You know, to 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 slowly stop having myself act like that orphan. You know, the kid I was telling you about in middle school. Me, you know, had that orphan mentality. You know, I was going around needing affirmation from from the outside. But what what God does through Jesus Christ is he says, you are 100% affirmed uh, because, not because you've done something, but because of who you are in my son. And so I think that that sonship thing is critical for anyone entering into ministry. You have to know who you are in Christ. Um, that it's not about you arriving at a certain place. Um, it's not about nickels and noses uh, you know it's not about you know positions or titles or whatever the case may be. What it's all about is, is you getting to know who God has for you to be in terms of character uh, and, and in terms of walking humbly in his sight and, and yielding more and more of your will and control over your life to him. You know, we have a lot of anxiety going on these days in our COVID world because we want control. And, uh, so what happens is once you give control over to the father, uh, you get freed, you get released. And so, uh, I think that that's, that's the critical thing for me as a church planter, uh, for me as a dad, you know, just looking at my kids can't control their life, you know, uh, just continuously giving God, uh, the authority that he has as father. And so, um, so yeah, who we are is a church, you know, right now that meets outside. (laughs) Uh, We we meet in the park. We want to meet people where they're at. Uh, We do driving services. Eventually we're going to have to rain the outdoors in and, and we're, I'll be still cold out there. uh, But you guys can sit in the warmth of your car. Uh, You know, abundant mercy uh, is just, man, it's the forefront. You know, we, we got tired of sitting on the sidelines and we said, coach put me in the game. You know, it, it's no, yeah. uh, it's no joke. So uh, you know that means that it, it's not necessarily always the the sexiest thing, you know, the, the cutest thing, the flashiest thing. But uh, hey, if you if you want to, if you are interested in church planting, I would love to talk with you because we need millions of more church plants um, to reach the lost. You know, for God's glory, uh, to serve the people in the city. So uh, you know, I just try to again keep learning. You know, be a learner, and uh, I'm very thankful for this. We, we, my, the church again is abundant mercy. Uh, When we start meeting indoors again, we'll be at 3800 Puritan uh, on the west side of Detroit. Here Uh, for the time being, we're in Fitzgerald Park. So uh, that that's a little bit about us, and I and I appreciate it, uh, Brother Evron. Oh
0: oh yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on, Pastor Josh, and uh, man, I'm excited about what you are doing. And uh, thank you for taking the time to come on to the Drawing Board uh, podcast. You know, once you come on to the Drawing Board podcast, you are a part of the Drawing Board nation. Woo. That is just how it works. All right. And so, Josh, man, I want to take this time um, on a more somber note um, as we close out uh, today. Uh, one of our coworkers in our um Uh, Cornerstone Education Group. And just from your eyes going up, I don't know that you may have or have not heard this. So I I apologize if this is your first hearing of it. But uh, Miss K uh, from Cornerstone Schools Association, she's a third grade teacher. Um, She passed away. And so I wanted to, to her family, if you all could please keep them in your prayers um, and make sure that you are keeping her lifted. She was an educator, who worked tirelessly, who wanted to give her best. She was full of energy and spunk. And I'll, I'll put this a little aside in there. We were at uh, Dave and Buster's, and she even beat me in uh, the little basketball game wow. twice. Wow. All right, yeah. no, but, uh, but to her husband and to her daughter, uh, our prayers are with you. Mm. We stand with you. And uh, to our Cornerstone family, uh, you know, we want to make sure we extend love and uh, to everybody else, please make sure you uh, keep in your prayers. So as I always share with the, the drawing board nation that's watching on, your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron, founder and host. Again, Pastor Josh, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks so much. All right. God bless. Peace.